أعوذ بالله السميع العليم من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد سيد الأولين والآخرين وعلى آله وصحبته أجمعين رب شرح صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل الأقرة من لساني يفقه قولي We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We send Peace and blessings upon our beloved Messenger Muhammad وسلم, upon his blessed family, companions, and those who follow them until the end of time. Uh, brothers and sisters, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back again to our readings uh, from the book of Ibn Abi Dunya, Imam Ibn Abi Dunya, Husnul Dhani Billah, having giving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the benefit of the doubt, having a good assumption with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where the Imam he collected a series of prophetic narrations as well as stories of the Salaf that help us create the capacity for hope, which is very important in an age filled with individualism, cynicism, uh, and so many other really kind of challenging emotions that are sort of the fruit of atheism, um, secularism, and even heathenry. So alhamdulillah, it's important that we come out of sort of the month of Ramadan with a renewed hope and trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to realize that the cynicism that some of us may find comforting or as a source of making sense of the madness is really the gift of, it really starts in 1749 with the French Revolution when movements in Europe begin to condition religion and remove God and take away a theistic way of life and replace it with what you see today. And the outcome of that, because once you take Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of the equation, then people are going to start to live for the dunya. And the dunya is something which is fragile and futile. And that's going to lead to this kind of cynicism that we see now as well as the individualism that we see as a hallmark of this age so as muslims especially when we think about a decolonial theology decolonizing our minds um a restorative transformative theology one of the most important components for a believer is hope to have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But hope, as long as it inspires to greater good and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as long as it inspires to becoming better. So we're going to continue inshallah reading and I encourage you to look up kind of those things I just talked about, the cynicism which is used <clears throat> in most circles pushed by um, corporate media, entertainment. And when you tie that with a difficult time historically for Muslims, it becomes very difficult to foster the key ingredient of hope. So that's why Alhamdulillah, we're gathering together to read uh, from these hadith and narrations to learn. Again, I'm someone who believes in decolonizing theology uh, and creating restorative theology and transformative theology. 
And there are some signs of that we can talk about. For example, if you're living your religion to debate with religion with others, instead of, if we are living our religion, we are living our religion to simply debate and engage with others, instead of to serve others, then that is a sign that we are impacted by the negative cynicism and individualism of this age. If we constantly find ourselves <clears throat> questioning the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and finding ourselves ungrateful for the things that Allah has given us, then that perhaps is a sign that we are impacted by this age. And there's some other things that we'll talk about. This is a this is not something that I'm doing haphazardly. This is something that I hope will contribute <clears throat> to a broader healing which is much needed in the Muslim community, where we fight each other more passionately than we serve each other. Think about that, that individualism, that is a symptom that starts really, as I talked about in 1749, look how it's impacted <clears throat> the world uh, up until this point. You see the splintering of society. And then the individualism that everybody wants to do religion on their own. There's little respect for traditional ulama, for scholars. In fact, a rejection of scholarship, uh, a rejection of having hope in Islam is a means now to individually become my own sort of uh, religious guide. And there you go. There's that symptom again. So I hope in the future, inshallah, this summer, plan to offer some courses on this. Uh, with some really bright people uh, that we can kind of unpack what that means and get to a place of healing. If I'm more invested in disunity than connections, that means that I'm not being informed by uh, religious teachings. If I'm allowing myself to be completely colonized by the vocabulary of the political left and right. I had a student, subhanAllah, who is memorizing the Quran with me. And I challenged that student to not think of or designate any Muslim with the political vocabulary of the left or the right as it runs now in America in particular. And he came back to me and he said something very interesting and profound. And I learned something from him. And after I saw him, it was about a week, I said, so how was it? He said, I realized I forgot religious vocabulary. I can no longer describe people Excuse me, you can hear the realities of American life behind us, police. He said that I could no longer find religious terminology to describe people. I forgot religious terminology. And I kept, when I would look into my mind to describe things I was seeing, I would find political terminology. And because I asked him not to do that, and he's a good student, he didn't engage. So I said, what did you do for that week that you, you know, you weren't using political terminology to talk about Muslims and attack them? He said, I studied and I stayed quiet. I said, Mashallah. So maybe there's a lesson in there for, for us now to think about some signs of being impacted by the cynicism of a, of a post, particularly the French Revolution, um, industrial age, the birth of modernity. These are very important things and what they have led to, the splintering of humanity, the intra-splintering amongst Muslims, the co-opting now of 
political nomenclature and inserting into languages which are meant to be held by religion, by Islam. Islam has its own language, mashallah. And then serving people becomes secondary to fighting people. Those are things we should think about and how it's impacting our community. And the root of all this is that hope has been misplaced. The object of hope is the dunya instead of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's why we're reading this important text and we continue to layer our understanding of theology uh, together, inshallah. So the first narration, and forgive me for going on a rant, uh, my apologies. Uh, this narration, وَعَنْهُ قَالْ uh, Imam Ibn Abi Dunya, he says, when he narrates this, he narrates this with Isnada, forgive me, I'm a little bit tired, I've been traveling, subhanAllah, quite a bit. Uh, from Idris an Abdillah ibn al-Maruzi, qala marida a'rabiyun, faqila lahu inna katamut. So this narration is uh, about a Bedouin person who is dying. And it was said to him, you're, you're, you're dying. Wa aina adhab. And he said to them, and where am I going? The Arab Bedouin responded to the people who said to him, you're going to die, you're dying. Where am I headed? They said to Allah. Then he said, there is nothing that I would ever, ever hate. And adhaba ila man la ara al khayra illa minhu. I would never hate to return to the one who the only thing I ever have seen from him is good, subhanAllah. Meaning that at the moment of his death, as he was dying, um, he had this like beautiful husnuvan bilahi subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the, the challenges of being infected with hypercynicism is that, and we, we've talked about this before, that if, if religious teachers and content providers aren't careful, they may become an inadvertent extension of the colonial enterprise and that they begin to look at the ummah of the Prophet through the lenses of modernity and through the terminology of modernity, especially if they have not engaged in a deliberate attempt to decolonize their religious understandings. And one of the outcomes of that is communities that have lost hope being overly harsh there's certainly a time for, for being firm, and there is certainly a place for orthodoxy, and there is definitely a need to hold the line. But oftentimes we find people are lions with the Muslims and kittens with the disbelievers. And people are knights in, 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 with swords unsheathed, you know, at the Muslims who are trying their best to live a life of submission and adherence to the teachings of the Prophet but then we find them there like silly putty with the enemies of the Ummah and the enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and sometimes that harshness will cause them to, as Imam Shatabi, he warns us, he says that you should teach people like a doctor cares for a patient. If, if the doctor over medicates, then the liver will become infected and poisoned. But if the doctor under-medicates, then the person will become sick and die. So he says, فَحَمِّلُهُمْ So then take them like in balance between invoking responsibility, using fear when it's needed, but also with hope 
Right? There has to be a balance. Ibn Qayyim has a beautiful statement. He says that fear and hope are like two wings of a bird. A bird can't fly with one wing. So oftentimes we see people using terminology, oh, this Muslim is a liberal, or this Muslim is, is conservative. What happened to words like a tasahul and tashaddud? We have our own terminology. Why are you now becoming an extension of a brutal secular political epistemological framework which actually drains the warmth and redemption of Islam. Islam has a door of redemption for everybody as we'll talk about in a minute. An example of this is the following narration from Ismail ibn Ubaidillah. And, and, and this narration in a stronger form is found in Bukhari. Who mentions that there was a, a, a man who narrates from Qatada, and Qatada, of course, was a student of Anas ibn Malik. Back to the Prophet وسلم, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says or said to the angels, Shall I not tell you about two devotees, two servants? Well, two, two servants of Allah, two creation, two human beings from the tribe of Bani Israel. As for one of them, he was the most righteous amongst the people of Bani Israel. And the one who had the most knowledge and the most khuluq. And he was known for a person of good character. While Akhar and the next one was seen as a musrif ala nafsihi, was a sinner. And so some people, they mentioned to that righteous person about the one who was the sinner, the one who was known to be a person of knowledge and religion and good character. He said, Allah will never forgive him. The narration says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will resurrect this person and say to him, Alam ya'lam anni rahimin Allah. Allah will say to this person, don't you know that I'm the most merciful of the merciful? Don't you know that I'm the most merciful of those who give merciful mercy? Don't you know that my mercy precedes my anger? And for that sinner, I have decreed forgiveness. And for that arrogant person who became overly harsh and said, I will never forgive somebody, I have decreed punishment. SubhanAllah. There's other narrations which are very similar like this, and they are many of them are authentic. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ warning us to not be deceived by Allah's guidance in our life and to see guidance as a gift and that it should make us alhamdulillah more appreciative and more humble and more uh, careful uh, in our dealings with people this is a very beautiful narration um, that even abhi dunya he mentions from ikrama um, from an dum dum his name was dum dum al-dad who said, دَخَلْتُ مَسْجِدْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَمَا فِي طَرَبِ صَاحِبِ لِي فَإِذَا رَجُلٌ 
He said, you know, I went into the masjid of the Prophet Sallallahu I saw someone with extremely like bright, shiny eyes and extremely like his teeth were like, like bright, like shining. And it was said to me that, you know, I was, I, I wanted to know who this person was, excuse me. So he said, I came close to this person. And he said to me, La tuqu lanna li ahadin. Wallah, wallahi la yaghfirullah, la yaghfirullahu lak. And that person, he said to him, By Allah, I advise you that you should never say to anyone, Allah will never forgive you. Wala yudkhilaka al-jannah. Wala yudkhiluka afwan al-jannah. And that he will never place you in Jannah. So he saw Dum Dum, he saw this person who has a very handsome person. And as he got close to that person, that person began to say to him that by Allah, you should never say to anyone that Allah will never forgive them. And you should never say to anyone from the Muslimin here, the context, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never enter you into paradise. And Dum Dum, he said, Man ant yarhamukullah. Who are you? May Allah have mercy upon you. Qala, and he said, I'm Abu Huraira. SubhanAllah, it was Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. And he was quite old at that time, but he was still, mashallah, very nice in his appearance. <laughs> and then he said to him, Dandam, he said, Wallahi, you, you have prohibited me from something that I used to do. I used to get angry at the people in my house and I used to get angry at others and I would say these kind of things. You know, the Prophet said that sometimes believers, they have this kind of insight, this spiritual insight. I experienced this with Shaykh Ahmad Taharayan, subhanAllah, sometimes they, they, they can see with the, the, with the eye of their heart that Allah has given them insight into a person. And not with their eyes. Because after Abu Huraira said to them, said this to him, he said, Wallahi, this is what I do. <laughs> What's also nice is Dum Dum, he didn't take it personally. Nowadays, somebody were to talk to us maybe like this, we'd become extremely angry at them. But subhanAllah, he he took his advice and then he became vulnerable. And that's the sign also of, a, of a, an age filled with cynicism. Nobody can be vulnerable. The word personality in Greek means a mask. SubhanAllah, everybody's mask up. Nobody, the mask, yeah? Everyone's mask up, but not the mask that we've been wearing because of COVID. It's the mask we've been wearing because of narcissism and, 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 and hubris and cynicism and individualism. Nobody can be vulnerable. Look at Lum Dum, and this is the key to overcoming and also to see this as an investment. As I talked earlier about decolonialism, to be a vulnerable, simple person, to be a fluid person who can take advice. Sayyidina Umar used to say, Rahimullahu man ahadari ayubi. May Allah have mercy on the one who gave me the gift of my mistakes. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa in the statement of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, knowledge is three kinds. One of them is la adri, I don't know. So when Abu Hurairah anhu said something to Dum Dum that he knew 
he did. He didn't get in his feelings about it because there's not that kind of ego that we have in this modern age. There's a longing to be a better person. So when someone feels they are complete, that's when they get into their feelings. But when someone understands that com completeness belongs to Allah alone and to the Anbiya, they're always willing to learn something new and to grow. So he said to him, after Abu Huraira told him, لا تقولن لأحد والله لا يغفر الله لك Never will Allah say to anyone, Allah will never forgive you, and that Allah will never enter you into paradise. And then after he said, Man ant, he wants to know, is this person a qualified person? May Allah have mercy upon you. Thank you for telling me this. He said, I'm Abu Huraira. He said, you, you have prohibited me from something that I used to do. I used to say when I would get mad at people in my house and, and my friends and others. Sidna Abu Hurairah said, Don't don't do that. Don't don't do like that. I heard the Prophet say that there were two men from Bani Israel. One of them, mashallah, he was a sinner. والآخرعابد the other he was a worshiper. فكان لا يزال يقول له ألا تكف ألا تقصر and the righteous one used to say to the sinner why don't you stop why don't you deal with your shortcomings and the sinner used to say مادي ولا what this what does this do with you and me دعني وربي leave me alone with my lord and then finally, subhanAllah, that righteous guy, he became so angry. And he discovered this man committing sin. He said to him, Wallahi, the Prophet said, La yaghfir Allahu lak. Allah will never forgive you. Wala, wallahi, la yudkhiluka, yudkhiluka Allahu jannata. And that Allah will never enter you into paradise. And this is the one that's close to the meaning in Bukhari, if I remember correctly. So this is why Abu Huraira is telling him, dum, dum, don't do like that, man. Don't do like that, bro. Because I heard this from the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Here we see the etiquettes of the Sahaba, that what they teach is what they heard from the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then the Prophet continues, And then Allah Subhanahu Wa dispatched the angel of death to both of them. And subhanAllah, at the moment of their, you know, being reckoned, it will be said to the sinner, Udhuru al-Jannah. al-Jannah. Go into Jannah. Enter Jannah. Bi rahmati. Because of Allah's mercy. al-Abid. It will be said to that righteous man, You told one of my servants something that caused them to despair of my mercy mercy do you have power over me take him to the hellfire why i heard this from one of my teachers from muhammadiyah in morocco who said because the first guy his mistakes are mistakes of actions his sins are related to actions so allah forgives him but the one who said, Allah will never forgive you, 
This is a major mistake in belief. So he's punished. See something, subhanAllah. See something, subhanAllah. A few more, inshallah, that we're going to finish um, this evening because I don't want to take uh, too much of your time, alhamdulillah. In fact, maybe, uh, yeah, we can read a few more, inshallah. Hmm. This narration is from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Uh, anhu. Now, actually, this narration, I'm sorry, is from uh, Abdurrahman al Mazani, or al Muzani. Qala Zakara Abu Abdurrahman al Jilani. Who mentions Abdurrahman al Jilani, who heard from Thoban, the Mawla of Rasulullah, who said that he heard the Prophet say, Ma ahab anna liya dunya wa ma fiha Allahu Akbar. That the Prophet said, If it wasn't for this verse, I would not love to be in the dunya. Meaning, this is the most beloved verse, one of the most beloved verses of the Quran to our beloved messenger who phrases this in such a powerful, captivating way that I would not want to reside in this dunya without this verse, more or less is the meaning. What verse do you think it is, subhanAllah? And as, as you think about this for a second, ask yourself, what is your favorite verse of the Quran? What is the verse of Quran that centers you and allows you to maintain the strength of hope with the responsibility of fear. So he says that the Prophet said that, you know, if it wasn't for this verse, I, you know, I, I don't, from Thoban, I, I don't even, you know, there's, there's no value in the dunya. What's the verse, mashallah, the 39th chapter of the Quran? Verse number 53. My servants who have sinned, who have wronged themselves, who have gone into excess with their souls, you are forbidden to give up on the mercy of Allah. That's the Prophet's alayhi salatu salam, his favorite verse, according to Imam al-Tabrani in al-Awsat. Indeed, Allah forgives the sins, all of them. Indeed, Allah is the pardoner, the forgiver. SubhanAllah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The next narration, alhamdulillah, from al-A'mash, who was, mashallah, one of the great early scholars, from Abi al-Kanud, who says that we were walking and we passed by a person who was reminding people of hellfire. And he said this person was a harsh person. Yani can binar. And he said suddenly, SubhanAllah, one of them said to that person, and these are from the Salaf, 
What kind of reminder is this that you are causing people to despair of Allah's hope? Person was like going hard. He was going hard on him to the point that he was worried, the Salaf was worried that these people are going to give up on having hope in Allah. Remember what we said earlier about Shaltibi? Saying treat people like a physician, don't over medicate, don't under medicate. And if you find yourself as a content provider, an influencer, an imam, a shaykh, and you're too hopeful to the point that it leads people to irresponsibility, or you're too harmful to the point that it causes people to despair, you need to engage in self-care. Take care of yourself. This happened to me in the past, right? Where you want to step back for a minute and take care of yourself and make sure that you're looking after yourself. If you're overly, if you're causing people to be overly despondent, Maybe you're projecting your despondency upon them. If you're if you're in a really great place, right, where you're being deceived by your joy with Allah that is causing you to get too loose, you need to center yourself. And how do you center yourself? With self-care. If you're always angry at the people, probably because you're angry at yourself. And as we mentioned earlier, no one should have so much hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they become too easy. Like there has to be this balance, mashallah. And that balance is achieved by being resilient and being vulnerable and being supported by others and then also being able to step back and look after yourself, take care of yourself. So they said to that hard-hearted person, why are you causing the people to despair of Allah? And then he read to him, uh, the verse we read earlier. Oh, my servants who have sinned, never despair of the mercy of Allah. Sayyidina Ali, karramallahu wajha, used to say, Ahabu ayatin fil Qur'ani ilay. This verse in Surah Nisa, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Allah will never will not forgive shirk unless of course somebody repents. So this means in the hereafter, as we talked about before. Sometimes people they read this verse that Allah will not forgive shirk, or Allah will never forgive me. First of all, the Ummah will never commit shirk, alhamdulillah. I mentioned all the authentic hadith of the Prophet. But then secondly, it's talking about people who don't repent now. Yeah. So this is talking about in the Day of Judgment. By the ijma of the early Muslim scholars, this verse is talking about in the Day of Judgment. Sayyidina Ali, karramallahu wajha, used to say, this is the most beloved verse to me from the Quran. That Allah will not forgive shirk on the Day of Judgment, but He will forgive all the other sins. Because why Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu is a muwahid. He's a person of la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. As we finish, inshallah, we're going to mention two instances which are really beautiful and profound uh, from some of the early Muslims, inshallah. And this is from Ibn Tha'laba al-Waraq. Who said that one night we spent uh, with a, a, a person who was from the Abidin, 
the worshippers. And we saw this man, he was crying. And that man actually was supposed to lead the prayer for Fajr. And he began to cry, and he was so overcome by his crying that we felt we may miss the proper, not the proper time, but the best time to pray Fajr. Ikhtiyari. Al-waqt al-mufaddal. For Fajr, for the majority of the, the madhabs, is when it's still very dark outside. For Sadat al-Hanafiyya, when it's light outside. Not when the sun is up, but you can see some light in the sky. So obviously the person's talking, he's not Hanafi. So he said, we started to worry that we're going to lose that opportune time, according to those madhabs, to pray Fajr. And then he said, we became closer and closer to that person. And we heard him saying, Jirmi, my, my sin, Azim, my sins are many. Wa'afuka kabir, ya Allah. Jirmi, Azim, wa'afuka kabirun. My sins are great, but your pardon is greater. Fajma' bayna Jirmi, wa'afuka ya Karim. So therefore, join together my great sin with your greater pardon, O oh, most generous. And subhanAllah, they said people begin to weep when they heard him say this. And people began to be impacted by his dua. SubhanAllah, SubhanAllah. The next narration from Abdullah ibn Shamit, from his father, mashallah, these two great important people we can talk about one day when we read other narrations together who his father mentioned that there was this person uh, he mentioned some sin excuse me some evil so his father actually was like making dua and as he was making dua he was mentioning some sin and he mentioned you know how great and how impactful this sin unfortunately was in his life and then he said in his dua وَإِن كَانَ كُلَّ مَا عَصَيْتَ بِهِ عَظِيمًا فَإِنَّهُ فِي سِعَةِ رَحْمَتِكَ سَغِيرٌ he said that every time I have done something which is great oh Allah a great sin I know that when it is compared to your mercy it's insignificant subhanallah yeah this is the balance of fear and hope that we're talking about I am responsible for myself I acknowledge my sin, I own my sin, but I do not allow the greatness of the sin to own me, but I liberate myself from sinning by knowing that with Allah's Rahmah I'm winning. If I change and if I become a better person. وَإِن كَانَ كُلُّمَا عَصَيْتَ بِهِ عَظِيمًا فَإِنَّهُ فِي سِعَةِ رَحْمَتِكَ سَغِيرٌ SubhanAllah, it's very beautiful actually. It's actually really touching that I know. And maybe what he did, it wasn't that big actually because he was a righteous person. But he's holding himself accountable. And that's one of the symptoms we'll talk about on the age of cynicism is I hold everyone around me accountable except me, except myself. Here's the opposite. 
فَإِنَّهُ فِي سِعَةِ رَحْمَتِكَ سَغِيرٌ So I feel the, the magnanimity of the sin, but I turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I know that His rahmah, mashaAllah, is greater, subhanAllah, than my sin. Inshallah, we're going to stop here. Barakallahu feekum. Wa jazakumallahu khairan. We'll see you guys hopefully tomorrow, if not the day after, inshallah, because now these nights all of us are getting busy with serving our families and trying to do a little worship, and of course we all have work and so on. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be, you know, his mercy and his magnificent grace to forgive us all, inshallah, and to accept from us, inshallah, ibadah, and to make us, inshallah, from the righteous and to unite us with the Prophet, sallallahu We pray for our brothers and sisters in India. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Pray for our brothers and sisters in Ethiopia and Nigeria. A lot of things happening in the world. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, al-Muslimin, yusabit hadhi al-Ummah ala al-Khayr, yu'alif bayna qulubana, yansurna ala haqqih rabbil alameen. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala al-Muslim. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.